At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by Miami Grill. For over 30 years, Miami Grill has brought you big favorites from big cities. Featuring authentic ingredients prepared fresh to order with the best cheesesteaks, wings, gyros, burgers, and more. Don't just bring dinner home, bring home Miami. Order online or in person. Pickup, drive-through, dine-in, and delivery available at all locations. If you're craving it, they're making it. Bringing Miami Grill home has never been easier. With locations all over South Florida, check MyMiamiGrill.com to find yours. That's MyMiamiGrill.com to find Miami Grill. While we're in the middle of this booming real estate market of South Florida, you may be looking to purchase a new house or refinance your current one. You can make sure that you have an attorney-owned title company handle your contract and close for the low price of $295. Reach out to our good friend Seltzer Mayberg. Give them a call at 305-444-1565 and mention 5 Reason Sports in order to get that $295 closing fee on all purchases and refinances. So go ahead and purchase or refinance that house knowing that you'll have an attorney reviewing and handling your closing for $295 when you mention 5 Reason Sports. You can also visit their website at onecalllegal.com where they'll be able to assist you with any of your legal needs, whether it's a divorce or a car accident or slip and fall. Everything is in-house and they're ready to help you with whatever you may need in attorney four. That is 305-444-1565 Seltzer Mayberg. Let me introduce you to another sponsor, bestever.com. That is B-S-T-E-V-R.com. Bestever.com is a fantasy sports simulator that uses real life data to simulate hypothetical situations. For example, Ever wondered if Dan Marino could win a Super Bowl with a top 10 running game? We all have. You can do that with bestever.com. Let's say the Dolphins are in the running for a big free agent. Just add them to the current team and simulate games to see how it can turn out. Just open a free account and start building your own story and have bestever.com spit out game stories just for you. Bestever is not only fun to use, but has many uses beyond just curiosity. Go to bestever.com. That's B-S-T-E-V-R. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And this kicks off, of course, our draft coverage our 2021 nfl draft draft day coverage and we're gonna be talking about wide receivers here today of course we'd like to thank all of our sponsors you heard a new one at the top of the show miami grill of course 
Biscuit Bay Brewing. I'm not going to attempt to say it again. It's pronounced lager, right? Uh, no, it's not. No? Okay. No. Um, I, think we're, I think we're just gaslighting him at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's better than it was, but it's still not right. <laughs> and of course, Manscaped used 5RSN 20%. Okay. Manscape. Yeah. <laughs> Manscape. You know, there's not, I don't think there's a, there's a word for it in Spanish for manscape. I was trying to think about that. What's, what's the word, what's the word in Spanish for landscape? For landscape? Oh my God. It's, there, there's just too many words. That, like if, if you're going to cut the grass, it's, it's called uh, chapiar, which I'm going to be, I'm going to. Chapiar? Yeah. So, so it's, like, so can you mix that with ombre in some way? Yeah. It's, it's, it's very strange. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I guess. You know what? I'll work on it and I'll have something for <laughs> for like next. That's your week. homework. That's your homework. Get back to us. My God, nobody's. Uh, I, I, I'm so. I'm. 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 A, to be honest with you, I'm completely sick of watching wide receiver tape and talking about wide receivers because it was kind of obvious if you watched our Miami Dolphins last year, they were lacking to use. You know, to use a, a, a good term, a, a bad term. They were garbage last year. They need an infusion of talent. They got some of it in Will Fuller, but. Since then, everybody has Devonta Smith on the brain, Jamar Chase on the brain, Jalen Waddle. So we'll start there in best in class. I've tried and I've, you know, I've, I've watched the tape. I've talked to certain people that are in the chase camp. I just think Devonta Smith is the best wide receiver in this class. I don't care that he weighs 121 pounds, <laughs> but I just he fits know, he fits in Mina Kimes' uh, uh, jeans is what uh, what Mina said. Yeah, so I'll, he fits I'll in kick a handbag. Off, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll no, Jakeem is the handbag guy. So I'll kick <laughs> off the handbag. So I'll kick off the discussion there. Best in class, I have Devonta Smith, and I just don't have Chase in his class. Simon, his what class. say you? Uh, I think you need to watch more tape if you don't think Jamar Chase is in the same class as Devonta Smith. I mean, that's... Uh, I think you're gaslighting us with that. I mean, Chase is a phenomenal player. I mean, he's Steve Smith, DeAndre Hopkins type. You know, he's got just an outstanding combination of play strength, hands, um, body control, explosion, as we saw today. I mean, with his ridiculous... 11-2 broad jump and his 41-inch vertical and his 438-40. I mean, you know, he's got burst. He's got yak ability. He's extremely physical. Um, you know, he's I mean, he's even more physical after the catch than he is with it. Um, uh, he tracks the ball in the air. Uh, he outworks defensive. But, you know, the fact that he's only six foot, he jumps 41 inches. doesn't matter if he's six foot when he jumps 41 inches. I mean, he's a finisher. I mean, I spoke to a scout the other day who said he's a, he's essentially a smaller Larry Fitzgerald. You look at him with his top off, he's absolutely jacked up like a running back. Um, and apparently off the field, he's an absolute alpha type A personality. Um, you know, he was on Bruce Feldman's 2020 freak list. I mean, he's a star. I mean, I love Devonta Smith as well, but and he, he proved is. It. And I, I, yeah, and he proved it. He backed it up. And he hasn't played football for a year, and he backed it up. And what I find interesting, I always love listening to players that play against other players. So I'm interviewing Amon Ra St. Brown tomorrow for the magazine. And I'm intrigued to speak to him about some of the, the players he goes up against. Because Noah Igbenogane said when talking to him, um, I think it was Fran Duffy 
uh, spoke to him at the combine last year and said, look, who, who do you like going up against? And uh, Igbenogane said, you know what? Chase is different. He said, he's not twitchy like Devonta Smith, but he is so physical. I was surprised how fast he was. He is the best wide receiver I've ever played against. Um, so, I mean, look, he's coming off the greatest season in the history of wide receivers. And then Devonta had exactly the same thing. You know, he's only 20 years old. He is a, um, he's a force of nature. And, and also, look, he lined up all over the formation at LSU. You know, he's got this variety of releases to beat corners off the line. He was best, I thought, as the X. Um, but everything that you want in a wide receiver, leverage. He understands how to leverage corners. He understands how to stack corners. Um, you, you keep defenders walled off. He's got these big, old, strong, powerful hands. And you watch him against the number one receivers in the, uh, the corners in the SEC. Those are Eric Stokes. Those are Tyson Campbell. Those are um, Patrick Satan. You know, he goes up against Derek Stingley every day. It's JC Horn. It's uh, Israel McQuama. You know, these guys, he dominated pretty much all of them um, in the SEC. So um, to me, they're one and one A. You know, Smith is very different, you know elite combination of hands and route running, but that body type is going to scare teams off. Let's not, you know, let's not make no bones about it, but he's a dynamic athlete. He's Marvin Harrison. He's Keenan McCardell. He's a great route runner. He sets up defenders. He sinks his hips at the top of the route. He gets open. He gets open against every sort of coverage, but I think you're going to have to move him around a bit. I don't think you're going to have to move Chase around necessarily, but I think to get the best out of Smith, you're probably going to have to move him around the formation a bit. You'll need to protect him off the line. I think smart offensive coordinators will will move him about to create wins. And I think as a movement Z or a slot, especially, that's where he can really do some damage. But I mean, they're two very different players. Um, but I both think, I think they're both, <laughs> they're both terrific. And the Dolphins are probably going to get the chance to draft at least one of them. And, and it may be that they get the chance to draft both of them. But I think they're both fantastic players. Chris, what about you? Uh, I would have, so I don't, I, I probably don't like the term or the idea that uh, that Jamar Chase is not in the same class as Devonta Smith, but I mean, I know who I take first before you know one before the other, um, and that's that's Devonta Smith, and I think it's because of the resume. Um, you know, so so first off, people don't people that have kind of said that he's not very fast. I think they need to look again, okay? Because because they really need to they really need to check the twenty twenty tape and see that he was creating separation with speed. He was beating people flat out with speed. He was scaring corners with speed. The corners were scared of his speed. They lined up, they gave him cushion. They gave him, you know, they were, you could tell. Um, this is this is a guy that, uh, that went out and beat everybody. I mean, th- th- there's something to be said when you go out there and you face um, – you know, Derek Stingley, Cameron Dantzler, J.C. Horn, Noah Benogany, Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, Roger McCreary, Sean Wade, Kedron Smith, Miles Jones, Marco Wilson, you know, just all these people and beat the hell out of uh, Parnell Motley the year before, you know, and, and really just beat the hell out of all these guys. And there's, you know, I, I've really legitimately, this is a legit, I've looked at these guys against all of the, the top competition and I have only seen one one corner get the better of Devonta Smith all day for the, for the whole, for, for the whole game. And, uh, and, and that was, uh, and we might talk about him later, but that was Kelvin Joseph of, uh, of Kentucky. 
Otherwise, he beat everybody you could possibly first rounders, best corners in the in in college football, uh, future stars, you know, current stars. I mean, just everybody. He he just uh, he he can get open again and win reps against them. And so the the play strength, I think you're going to highlight, even though he's 170 pounds. I think Ryan Day of Ohio State was was talking about it. And he's like, you know, people talk about the weight, but it's like his play strength is really good. Like his his play, we we were trying to play him, and his play strength is just just too good. So uh, I think it's a full package. I'm not worried about the weight at all. Um, I don't know how many of the NFL teams actually are, or you know how many are just you know playing around or whatever. Um, I think that uh, I think that you can compare him to Marvin Harrison. You can compare him to Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco. Um, you could compare him to Isaac Bruce. I think Isaac Bruce is a really works as a really good comparison. Actually, if you go back and watch him play, I think he's the best wide receiver in the class, and he's earned it. He's earned that right to the right to be called that. Um, whereas Jamar Chase, he's phenomenal. He had a phenomenal season, but there's one thing that bothers me about him, and it's something that I look for in all prospects. These prospects need to make sense for what they are. And what I mean by that is like when you, you look at a player and you're trying to see what kind of player he's trying to be, you know, is he, is he big physical? Is he trying to be a big physical guy? Is he trying to be a fast guy? Is he trying to be, you know, there's, there's all these different archetypes in, uh, in the NFL uh, that work. And it's important to see if these guys have the goods to be the kind of player that they're trying to be. Jamar chase is not a guy necessarily that the corners were afraid of from a speed standpoint. Um, if you watch, if you really watch it, uh, and yet, and he's a, he's a big physical guy. He's a guy that wins with strength. He's a guy that a jump ball guy, a jump ball guy, strength, physicality, you know, just really brutal and explosive. And he's six foot zero and 200 pounds. That bothers me. Okay. That bothers me because he's going to get in the NFL and it's going to be a different level. I mean, he bullied around some some guys in in college that he's not going to be able to bully around in the NFL at six foot zero and two hundred pounds. And I, you know, I don't. I know he's rocked up, and I know he's got unusual strength for that size. But I don't think it's going to be. I mean, the bottom line is going to be the bottom line at some point. Uh, these guys are going to press him, and they're not going to be all that afraid of his physicality. Uh, at six foot oh and 200 pounds and you're not going to be afraid of his jump ball abilities his uh you know his 50 50 ball and um and contested catch abilities at six foot oh and 200 pounds um but the good side for him is that simon alluded to it his versatility is really good he's played all over the field he can play in the slot he can run after the catch he can he can run routes i mean he's he's a good he's a good pretty good route runner i mean that's that's for real so I think that he's going to find a different game in the NFL. He's got a really good chance of finding a little bit of a different game in the NFL than he did in college. Um, and it, But at the same time, it does bother me when a guy does have to do that, and he will have to do that. He will have to find a different game in the NFL than, than, he, was in co- than he had in college. And it, it, for me, when you have to do that, it dings the grade just a little bit. Yeah, so – I guess we have two for Devonta and Simon. Did I hear you correctly? You have Jamar as no. I think they're one and one, one and one A. I mean, okay. I, I, you couldn't separate them. I, you know, I'd be happy with with either of them. I think they're both phenomenal okay. players. 
Yeah, uh, some of my concerns are essentially the same as as Chris, but I'll add another thing on Devonta Smith. If you watch him, he's just so fluid with everything he does. He beats you with finesse, and his hands are strong too. Like he'll extend his hands on a corner, and he'll gain separation right off the line with right off the line with that too. So I just look at him as com- as a complete wide receiver. And in my opinion, if he was two hundred pounds. There would be no discussion in here. And I think he's getting unfairly dinged because, like we said, he weighs 121 pounds. And then, of course, but, he weighs in at 170 unfair. at his pro day. He's not being unfairly dinged, though. That's his weight. Yeah, that's true. It's not okay. Unf- uh, it's not I'll take that back because he does him, weigh 170 pounds. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's not an unfair knock against him. That's just his weight. I think it is. I, I would say I would call it unfair because because it doesn't have to do with what's on the tape. Like no, but it has can, to do it's, with it's the a game, number right? on a it's a number on a page. It's a number on a page, and they're looking at it. They're looking at it, and and you cannot point to anything, or you can hardly point to anything on the tape, and connect the dots there and say, you know, uh, I mean, every now and then you can. I mean, listen, every guy can get stymied by by press coverage once in a while, mm-hmm. but this guy was phenomenal against press coverage on the whole. So I mean, I, I think that you. You can you have to be able to point at things. You have to be able to point at things and then say, "Look at that! Look at that! That's what that is." And but if that's and the case, otherwise it's, we, otherwise it's bullshit. Why do we ever weigh and measure anybody then? A genuine to, question. To get the, I guess to to compare them against what what you have in your head as a, as the prototype for the possession, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, why would we bother? Everybody's looking for six three two hundred pounds. That's what everybody wants. And nowadays, six three two hundred and 10 pounds is probably a little bit it's, better. It's another piece of the information, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's a fair criticism. Especially like listen, if a guy if a guy goes out there and he he looks he looks lightish, he looks, you know, you're kind of like, ah, he, you know, the wind blows him off off uh off route a little bit. And then he weighs out 155 pounds, you're like, oh shit, that's why. Yes. I mean, right. so so yes, it's another piece of information. It's valuable. You you put it in there. But if you cannot connect those dots, then and and you continue to focus on the 170 pounds, that's disingenuous. All right, we've the last covered- wide re- the last wide receiver taller than six foot and lighter than 180 pounds to get picked in the draft was who and when? Was it Marvin Minnis? No, it was Marvin Minnis. Yeah, it was. Great no. guess. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. that's really good. <laughs> that's he was only guess. six foot oh because of his neck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. New 2001. <laughs> Snoop Minnis, yeah. Good guess, Chris. All right. Had that, like, right off. <laughs> you did as well. That was scary. Okay. <laughs> you can't complain that we didn't spend enough time on Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith. I think we all like them. I think I we can all agree, right? That's This is 1A, one, one 1B, one or number 1 and number 2, right? Well, no, I don't know. I think Jalen Waddle well. has it. It is, but and that's what Jaylen, we're moving we to. talk about Jalen Waddle, and, and he, has, he has a legitimate claim to that spot. Or to, and that's, to what, and that's what we're going to get to right now. Another criticism of Devonta Smith is, and I don't think it should be a criticism, but some people have turned it into one, which is, hey, Jalen Waddle got hurt. If not, he would have been holding the Heisman at the end of the year because he would have had all of those numbers. I'm not convinced of that because while Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs was putting, were putting up numbers, I always thought Devonta Smith was the best wide receiver in that group. But – the numbers do say a different story. Jalen Waddle was putting up the numbers at the time he got injured, but he did get injured. 
that happened. Is it a legitimate criticism, Simon, that Jalen Waddle could have been Devonta Smith if it weren't for his injury? Um, I think they're very different players. Uh, you know, people get... I think Waddle had a phenomenal season until the broken ankle. I think people get slightly inured, that's the wrong word, get slightly uh, romanticized with long touchdowns and stuff. You know, he's a Tyreek Hill kind of cheat code receiver. Um, he might be the most explosive player in the draft. And I think he's essentially, what's interesting about Judy, uh, about Waddle is that I think he's a sort of almost like a multi-dimensional sort of combo platter of Judy and rugs. Mm. Um and just in the context of uh, of today's NFL, I just think he is a a really good fit. I mean, there's a lot of similarities I think between him and him and Hill. Those athletic traits, how you deploy him, you know, uh, I think you're just going to move him around the formation, get him the ball in a whole different, you know, orbit reverses, jet sweeps, you know, from the slot. You know, that explosiveness is phenomenal. The change of direction ability and the lateral quickness are are phenomenal, and he wins obviously at at all three levels. I, I think, I suppose one of the things that concerns me is that, you know, you see the speed of a Henry Ruggs um, and you see, a, you know, him adding elements of the route running a, a, of Judy, especially with sort of head and shoulder fakes and, and body dips as he cuts and sells. I don't think he has elite hands for all his athletic traits. I don't think he has elite hands. I think he has good hands, but I think he body catches a little too much sometimes. Um, but he's a phenomenal player. But he's got to be, I think there's more, maybe a little bit more risk with Waddle than, than perhaps Smith. Maybe his ceiling is higher, but I think Smith might be a safer pick, which is an odd thing to say about a Heisman Trophy winner. I just think Waddle could be a bit more boom, boom or bust. Um, he is a ridiculously hard worker, apparently. I mean, that's the thing about both him and, and Smith. Um, yeah. incredibly hard workers. I've said this before on the podcast, Smith has been described to me as Michael Jordan levels of competitiveness. Um, and I think he showed that, that, you know, even with the dislocated finger, he wanted to come out and run routes the other day. Um, I think, uh, I think Waddle is a, a tremendous player um, who fits perfectly in what the NFL wants to do. I just, um, I'm slightly more, uh, you know, he was number three for me, you know, not too far behind the other two, but he is a, you know, he is three. Yeah, and something that, that you just touched on right there as far as being workers, uh, Devonta Smith, notoriously, uh, he's a notorious, obsessive worker, pre-game, post-game, during the week, in practice. The man catches 100 balls to his left and then 100 balls to his right before games. Who does that? All right, Chris, mm. so same question. Does Jalen Waddle have a, a case here? Does he belong? I think he has. I think he has a case to me, to be made for being the best wide receiver. Period. Um, and you know, in the same way that I'm not sure that I'm comfortable saying that Jamar Chase is like in a is a, in a different class than Devonta Smith. Nor is uh, neither is Jalen Waddle. Um, he has a case to. It is. They are all three very different players. Um, mm -hmm. It is a little bit of uh, ketchup mustard and and. Uh, relish or something you know, mayonnaise there <laughs> um it really is uh they're they're all very different players uh, even though one of the attractive things about um devonta smith is that when jalen waddle went out they asked they asked devonta smith to be jalen waddle and he became jalen waddle he was so he's, mm. he's sort of like a, a chameleon um in that way which is a very good sign very good sign for devonta smith and that's why i think he, he he has earned his place as the top wide receiver but jalen waddle i mean this is going to be all about play speed 
you know, we talked, I talked about Devonta Smith's play strength. Jalen Waddle is play speed because, you know, first off, we know he's like got the sort of speed that Henry Ruggs has. I mean, we've seen there's video of the two, you know, neck and neck running uh, races against each other. Um, and Ruggs did like a 427, something like that. So Jalen Waddle has ridiculous speed. We know that. But it's not just the ridiculous uh, 40 speed. It really is the play speed. And I think that this year, the NFL, Daniel Jeremiah brought up this, and I think it's a really great point. The NFL has more proven and broadly available, um, able to be compared uh, GPS data on these players from what they were doing on the football field. And this is, this is sort of a new technology that that's being, that's being uh, digested by the NFL uh, in their scouting process, sort of, you know, year by year. And this year might be a little bit of a watershed year as far as uh, that is concerned, not least of it because of the odd uh, circumstances around the pandemic and the, the lack of information that you have. Um, so that GPS data on Jalen Waddle supposedly is just, you know, phenomenal like he's clearly the fastest i mean he's, he's out there running the fastest that that's the thing that makes tyreek hill tyreek hill is because it's not just that he is fast it's that he's always going that fast on the field or close to it and um and he can play at that he can play at that speed he can he can run his routes at that speed he can uh, you know he can corner he can he can catch the ball at that speed one of the issues with jakeem grant he is a very fast player and he can run that fast and get open because he's running that fast. But evidently when he's running that fast, when he's pushing himself that much, he loses his his concentration. (laughs) Well, he loses his concentration on the football. And that, that is a thing. Like that's a hard thing to, to run all out and that, and and still, you know, secure the, the pass and, and do everything that you need to do even before the pass comes, the ball comes in. I mean, that's, that's, that's the hard thing. And that's where I think Jalen Waddle has proven himself. And so that's why people get excited about him. And some, some teams are going to look at him and say, this is what we need. And this is the top receiver in the draft for us. And, uh, and I think that that's not undeserving because he, he is that good. Yeah. To wrap up Jalen Waddle, uh, there's nothing on a football field that he can't do. Like uh, he is not, he is, nobody should pigeonhole him as just a deep threat or just a home run threat. He runs good outs. He runs good slants his drags come on you know he runs away from people on drags turns the corner and really threatens the end zone so i think we can agree there is a, a big three hierarchy in this draft right or are is or simon are you gonna dazzle me with somebody that's gonna threaten this group i think this is the this is the big three right no i think there's a big three and then you know for me I think Rashad Bateman is the next best. And that's in the draft. where I'm going. You just read my mind. That's exactly who I've moved up. I'm not predisposed to like this type of wide receiver. Some will call him plotting. He's, I don't consider him plotting. He's powerful. I got mm. Rashad Bateman as a day one candidate. Is he a candidate at six? Absolutely not. Is he a candidate at 18? Absolutely. Depending on what they take at six, which we will talk about later. But Rashad Bateman, Simon, uh, the front page on Rashad Bateman, I think he's powerful. Yeah. He could just—he is he, powerful. He runs everything well. Anquan Bolden's a good comp, I would say, and not the Anquan yeah. Bolden late in his career. I'm talking about the Anquan Bolden coming out of FSU, 
good short area quickness. He's not going to blow right past you, but he'll catch everything, and he'll create separation just by his pure strength. To me, he's got a very similar profile to Alan Robinson, but probably just a bit more juice post-catch. I mean, he's, I don't think he's going to fit every scheme, but he's always felt like a guy who, over the last few months, might go day two, and we all look back in three years' time and say, wow, how did he fall that far? Because he opted out of 2020, then he opted back in, then he opted out after six games, and actually he almost didn't benefit by playing those games. He was actually hurt by playing them because he struggled a bit with injury. Minnesota generally just struggled really badly. I think he came into the season as a mid-first rounder. Um, but to me, he's a perfect X at the next level. He looks and he feels like an NFL player. He's got size. He's got quickness. He's got route running ability. I think he's got good separation quickness. He ran a 437 at the Exos Combine in, in February. So, you know, he doesn't look like a 437 guy, but, you know, he's clearly got some juice. Um you know, he's not a burner. I don't think he's an elite athlete for the position, but he's a strider, which gives him that vertical element that others don't. Um, and I think you look at the numbers in 2019, he led the Big Ten in downfield receptions. He's got excellent hands. Uh, he broke 17 tackles on 60 catches in 2019. Uh, I like him. I think he's a really good player. I think his route tree is a little bit limited due, I suppose, to the uh, conceptual kind of construct of, uh, of PJ Flex passing game. But he can run whatever you like and he knows how to get open. And I think that's really important um, because he's a, a, he's a technician in the routes that he does run and, and he's a savvy route runner who can create windows because he's got good feet. And uh, I, I really like Bateman. I think he's a really good player. I like Tyler Johnson and I think he's shown that he's, you know, he's going to have a, a decent future and maybe even a big future in, in Tampa Bay. Um, so, yeah, I think Bate, and I think Bateman was significantly better and I, I like him a lot. I think he's a good player. Yes. Yeah, there's so initially I wasn't, you know, terribly high on uh, Rashad Bateman. And because you watch what he plays, uh, especially the position that he played this year and what, what he had to do. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it was good, but it, um, I'm not sure that it was, it was, it wasn't really impressing me with speed. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people were probably surprised by his time at the Exos Combine, and and I would probably file him. Among, we were just talking about this earlier because Florida had their pro day, um, and and sort of, of course we're talking about Kyle Pitts and everything, and uh, and Warren Sharp brought up that um, that the Florida track uh, is not actually one of those that you would accuse of being you know fast and giving a, a boost. Because if you go through and you, you track the last, you know, 16 players that ran at both the Florida track as well as the combine, 11 of them ran faster at the combine, you know. Um, so but on the other hand, you know, as you go through, and you know, some of these other tracks I, and some of the ones out in California come, in my, come to mind, I think the LSU is one uh, is, is like this, um, you know, the notoriously fast tracks. Uh, and so this is where the scouts always talk about, hey, we add a tenth when when we see the guys run at their pro day, you know, here or something like that. So Rashad Bateman, I think, wouldn't you wouldn't have expected him to run the way he did. But seeing seeing the forest for the trees on him is just the fact that, you know, it, it's a little bit of what can't he do? Because when he's playing a certain way, like he's playing in the slot a lot. And and I see him as sort of a um, Juju Smith Schuster. I mean, that's, he, he looks like that to me. 
Mm. Um, but then, then you see him play, you know, more on the outside. And I'm like, you know, he can make a case for being a little bit like a, like a new Hopkins. Um, and then, <laughs> and then you hear all these other, you hear Alf talking about Anquan Bolden. Uh, Simon, I hear you talking about Allen Robinson. You're not the only one. Right. Um, and, you know, I've seen and eventually it's, it's just like, well, who doesn't he look like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and what that means is just the versatility that he has. And you get him in these different situations and he's showing you different things and you put it all together. You, you sum up all those parts and you're like, well, actually, OK, this this guy's a very good player. Um, this guy deserves his deserves his uh, the rankings that he's getting out there i don't think he is um if i'm considering kyle pitts to be a wide receiver then um i don't think he's in the top four i don't think he's number five i think he's um but i would have him some number six um you know the number five guy hopefully we do talk about for me um or number four if you don't consider pitts there uh is uh eskridge but we can talk about him in a little bit yeah and we will and what I'm getting here is that we're going to have to do two parts of wide receivers and DBs are going to have to wait for another week. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll continue day one guys. And you already mentioned one that I'm going to put at the top of day two, because I think we want to talk about them, but everybody else is putting Kadarius Tony in day one. I see the talent. I saw it in senior bowl. He's obviously a really good talent. One of the best in yak in this, and that's something that the Dolphins need. One of the best in Yak in this draft, right up there with Waddle. It's evident in film. He runs away from people. He has good transition. When he catches the ball, he transitions into a tuck, and he's gone. Simon, Kadarius Tony as a day-one candidate, deserving your thoughts on him. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, the, the two monster yak guys in this class are Devonta Smith and uh, Amari Rogers. I mean, they, they they are the dominant yak receivers over the past four mm-hmm. years in college football. I think what we're looking at here when we discuss past the top four guys is a series of you know the, the NFL is changing so much. You know, back even five years ago, but look, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, slot receivers were slot receivers for a reason. Whereas today, it, it, you know, most teams play minimum of three receivers, sometimes four and sometimes or often four and sometimes five. So the slot receiver guy, especially with creative offensive coordinators, you know, you're going to move a lot of those guys around the formation to try and get them lined up on safeties, linebackers, nickel corners, fourth corners, and you know. So I, I think what we need to do past the big four is sort of separate this group because, you know, you've got a series of slot guys, you know, guys that you can get the ball in their hands in, in many different ways, whether that's reverses, that's jet motions, that's screens, that's out of the backfield, you know, orbit reverses, those sorts of things. So that is the guys like Kadarius Tony, 5'11", 190. That is, you know, Rondell Moore, 5'7", 180. That is, you know, maybe Amon Ra St. Brown because I think he works best in those in those areas, getting in the ball in different places. You know, Elijah Moore, somebody that both Peter King and Albert Breer talked about as the NFL having significantly higher, you know, potential first round. We're talking about Elijah Moore. Um, you know, D. Eskridge, Dwayne D. Eskridge of Western Michigan, Amari Rogers, you know, Diami Brown a bit bigger, you know, we probably put him in with the Terrace Marshalls, Tylan Wallace kind of, you know, probably best out in the slot. Um, Shy Smith of South Carolina is only five foot ten. Tutu Atwell, who's like three foot nine and 104 pounds or whatever he was the other day. I mean, just ridiculous. And then you go back and, you know, Sage Surratt goes into that Terrace Marshall. Nico Collins at six foot four goes into the Terrace Marshall. 
you know, and then there's a kid, Jalen Dart, you know, Watfilia at Indiana, maybe even Cade Johnson at, at South Dakota State. And then you've got the um, the Jalen Darden kid at North Texas, who's this, you know, absolute insane big play machine who led college football in 2020 and catches yards, touchdowns and yards per catch, at, you know, late on in the season. Um, so, yeah, I think, that you know, you kind of have to split those two groups. But I, I like Tony. I think he's an interesting player I, I, for me. And we'll never know, I, you know, podcasters and, and, and people that, ruminate on twitter about these sorts of things we will never really know the the off-field issues we obviously are, are pretty well versed in what happened and we've talked about on this program but we don't really know we've never been around him we don't really know what he's like and whether or not he's matured whether or not he's kind of moved on from some of those situations that he found himself in with with weapons because that obviously affects what you're doing and you know for miami if he hasn't quite moved on do you really want Kadarius tony in miami given some issues that he's had off the field, you know, in green Bay, well, maybe it's a bit different, but Miami, maybe not, but he's a, you know, he's got extreme one step quickness. He's going to remind you of Percy Harvin. He's an explosive route runner. He's incredible after the catch, but he's only a one year contributor. You know, he didn't do an awful lot up to this year, but when he got the ball in his hands, you know, he was electric. Um, he's a very interesting personality but we shall see what what the the sp is away from the field and we'll find that out on draft day you know if he ends up back into round two or into round three we'll know that teams were scared of what was happening off the field if he comes into round one he he got a fairly clean bill of health because you have to look at what happened last year with isaiah wilson you know teams are cognizant that that can't happen again so you know you just have to answer all those questions especially in a year like this where we haven't been able to do what we'd normally do in the scouting process yeah, I think that in the same way that um, there's three guys up at the top that could all, because they're all so different, you could all, some team will like one, the other team will like the other, and the other team will like the other, and all of it's okay, none of it's really wrong. Um, you know, I think in that way, you could probably say that the same thing about Kadarius, Tony, Rashad, Bateman, uh, D. Eskridge, and, you know, maybe Terrace Marshall, um, you know, kind of, kind of those four. Uh, and I think, you know, the NFL, uh, Simon, you mentioned um, Elijah Moore, the NFL definitely being very high in him. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, maybe maybe he's in that group, maybe he's not. Um, I wouldn't put Rondale Moore in that group, but I think Kadarius Tony has earned his earned his his way into that group. And I think that he is the serious. He's also so he's always his history at Florida. He's always been that get the ball in his hand, find a way to get the ball in his hands kind of guy um in past years and and that was you know so as simon said he's only had the one year of of being really productive um which is true uh, although he only played seven games last year so it wasn't really a full a full year to um to compare but in the past you know you had him running the ball a lot like you had him running the ball you had him doing screens i mean they, you know find the way find a way to get the ball in his hands that's his background and then he shows up in 2020 and he is a really good route runner from the slot. And that's what I think is really intriguing right now is the, um, the growth. Um, and so, because growth doesn't happen. I mean, I, I, and I know that the off field stuff will concern teams will concern us. Um, and we, we don't really know anything about it uh, other than, than, you know, some superficial facts. Um, but you don't get growth without work. So, uh, so the fact that you can you can trace a line and see that growth 
uh, into 2020 and through 2020. I mean, listen, if you look at the Florida offense, I mean, because I'm a big Kyle Pitts fan, so I've I seen a lot of the Florida offense and really di- diagnosed it. Um, you know, it wasn't just that Kyle Pitts was, you know, the guy, the, the X factor, you know, get him, get him matched up, get him all over. For it was really two. It was really two guys. Um, and, and, and they were used, you know, in different ways. And one of them was Kadarius Tony. And so I think that, you know, it was, it was a bit of a yin and yang situation to be fair to Kadarius Tony, even though uh, he's not considered the prospect that Pitts is um, he's deserving. I, I think that uh, I think that he's up there. Um, I would have D Eskridge just a little bit, just a little bit better. I just, because I, I think he's got better play speed um, and he's a little bit more uncoverable and more versatile to play in the outside. Um, but yeah, that's, Good, good, good player by all means. And yeah, that should wrap up at least the day one guys. Although there's a couple more that do belong in day one. And yes, you will get a part two tomorrow to go with this part one. But till then. Thanks for listening to three yards per caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.